Well, we're on week three of a series that we're calling Lean In, and we're going over our vision statement. So reach up, rise up, reach out is our topic. So we want to make sure that we stay on our mission here at Good Hope Church. Our, our vision statement, mission statement, whatever you want to call it, is reach up, rise up, reach out. And it's reach up. A real relationship with the living God is available to you. You can have that real relationship with God. And then uh, rise up. A real relationship with the living God will change you. You know, you take off the old, you put on the new. You're going to be different when you have that relationship with God. And then the third one, the reach out. A real relationship with the living God is a call to action. And so here at Good Hope Church, we're about connecting with God, growing in our faith, and making a difference in this world. And as this series is called Lean In, we want to lean in to our relationship with God. We want to lean in to growing in our faith. We want to lean in to making a difference. And there's an important key to this that we've talked about each week, and that is to prioritize. Because I tell you what, you can get too busy. This life has so many opportunities to do so many different things that you can just get running around and all of a sudden you lose connection with the most important things in your life. And the, you know, the number one priority in our lives needs to be our relationship with God. Connecting with God, growing in our faith, making a difference. This needs to be the first priority. So we've talked about prioritizing your relationship with God. We've talked about prioritizing your own personal spiritual growth. And this week we talk about prioritizing making a difference in this world. We want to lean in, but we don't want to burn out. If you don't prioritize your life and effectively choose to do the most important things, if you just run around saying yes to everybody and doing all kinds of different things, then you're going to burn out. Prioritize the things of God so that you don't burn out. You can lean in to who you are in Christ, your purpose in Christ, without burning out. Very important to learn that. So let's talk about leaning in to making a difference. A real relationship with the living God is a call to action. Let me ask you a question. Do you think there are things in this world that need to change? Are there things on this globe that need to change? Things that need to be different? Things that shouldn't be the way they are and somebody needs to do something about it? See, I'm leading you on this. Do you think the world needs to change? Well, Jesus' message is basically be the change. Yes, this world needs to change. This world needs all kinds of people helping and making a difference, but who's going to do it? Be the change. You and I are called to be the change. Let's go to the gospel of Luke chapter 10. We're just going to read verses one through three. So starting in 10, we'll read one and two first. Luke 10, one and two. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. 
So Jesus picks 72. He's done this with the 12 and he is sending them out. And he's basically sending them out to the different places where Jesus is going to go. They're, they're kind of like uh, filling the role of John the Baptist, preparing the way for the Lord. You know, they're going to talk about how Jesus is coming to visit that town and they're going to minister to the people there and kind of get them ready. And then Jesus can come in and the, the ministry can be very fruitful. And Jesus tells them in verse 2, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers into his harvest field. So the harvest is plentiful. What that means is the world needs to change. Things need to change. There are things that aren't right that need to be dealt with. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. There's not enough people to step in and help Others. We talked about that earlier in our one minute blessing time where we prayed for the Lord to send workers into his harvest field. We're just following what Jesus said here because there's so many open churches. There are so many places that need a pastor and there's no pastor to go. Uh, and man, that's a serious problem. So we need to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send workers. So the world needs to change, you know, globally. How about locally? Are there some local things that need to change? How about in your family? You know, how about in your own church? How about in your life? Are there things that need to change? The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And then I love verse three. This is in, in the account of this in Luke is so fun. So he says, you know, praying for the harvest, uh, for workers to be sent. And then verse three, the very next verse Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. So Jesus is like, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send workers. And now go, <laughs> pray that people will do this. And now you do it. He's appointed the 72. This is the plan. He's telling them to pray for the Lord to send workers. I'm sure if he had more than 72, he might've been happy to send out more. Of course, he sent out now millions, billions, I don't know, like around the world throughout the last 2,000 years, there's been a whole lot of people go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Is that what it said? I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Is serving God just perfectly easy and safe and there's no issues and <laughs> like lambs among wolves? So it's, it's a battle. It's a spiritual battle, but it is worth it. It is worth it. So go, I am sending you out. So Jesus is saying, yep, the harvest is plentiful. Now you go, you be the ones to make the change, to be the change, to bring the truth of God, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, to minister healing and deliverance to people. You go. So they then go, be the change. And this is a high priority to God that we his followers make a difference in this world. It is a high priority to God that people who believe in him are agents of change in this world, bring light into the darkness, make the situation better, share the love of God with this world. There are so many needs out there and it is a high priority to God that we be about our father's business, that we be actually making a difference in this world. And there's so many different examples I could use. Last week, we talked about the parable of the sower. Jesus talks about somebody who's sowing seed. Back then, they used to just throw seeds 
into the field. Some lands on the path, gets eaten up by the birds. Some lands in the shallow soil, like an inch of soil with a rock underneath, sprouts quickly, but then when the sun comes up, it withers away. Some is in with a whole bunch of other weeds and it chokes it out, doesn't bear any fruit. And then the seed that lands on the good soil produces a crop 160 or 30 times what is sown. And what Jesus is talking about in that parable is we are to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. We're supposed to make a difference. The first three were not the example of how to follow God. You know, reject God in the first place, not be able to last through the hardships or make Jesus too low of a priority that you never actually get anything done. Those first three, they're all in the bad category. The good category is where you are Bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. This is a high priority to the Lord that we bear fruit for the kingdom, that we make a difference in this world. And I want to go to Matthew 21 as our example for today. Matthew 21, Jesus gives a parable and it's a very pointed parable and it's called the parable of the tenants. So let's read this. I'll kind of explain it as we go. The parable of the tenants from Matthew 21, starting in verse 33. Listen to another parable. This is Jesus speaking. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The Stage has been set. There's a farmer, and back then, you know, they had these kind of three really important pieces of the puzzle. There's the the vineyard, the vines, you know, he plants this vineyard, but you have to harvest the grapes and stomp them down. That's the wine press. And then there's the watchtower to to oversee everything and to protect everything. So all those three pieces of the puzzle are there, plus there's workers that are there. So the, the landowner gets everything set up. And this symbolizes God and his people. And this is specifically talking about, you know, like the the Hebrew people, the people who are following God from the Old Testament, you know, the chosen people, the children of Abraham. And God is having them be the example to the rest of the world of what it means to follow the living God. So that's the situation. The workers in the vineyard are the followers of God. They are the tenants. So here we go. Verse 35. So when he sends his servants to collect the fruit from the tenants, this is what happens. Verse 35. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then he sent other servants to them more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. And this is talking about God sending prophets and teachers, people to guide the people of God into the truths of God, into really making a difference in this world, you know, bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. But they rejected the prophets. They rejected the people sent from God. And then the landowner sends his son. And this, of course, is symbolic of God the Father sending his son, Jesus, to this world to engage the followers of God in doing God's work on this earth, bearing fruit for the kingdom of God, bringing the good news of God to this world. And what happens then? Verse 38, but when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, 
This is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. So, of course, this is symbolic of Christ on the cross. The the people of God uh, rejected Jesus as the Messiah, had him crucified, and that's the situation. And why did they do that? Right here, you know, you can see Jesus was changing the religious landscape. So the religious leaders were going to lose some of their influence, or they felt that way anyway. And so they wanted to take the inheritance. They wanted to keep their control. So they rejected the Son of God, had him crucified on the cross. So that's just a straightforward thing of of God's people rejecting the prophets, rejecting the people sent from God to keep them on track, doing the work of God. And then Jesus comes, the Son of God, they reject him as well. And so then Jesus questions them about this. Verse 40, therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied, and he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. So it's very obvious in this situation that if you are the landowner and you own a vineyard and you hire workers to work in the vineyard, but they won't give you the share of the crop. In fact, they kill your servants and kill your son. Like they're a serious problem. These workers are a serious problem and it's very obvious. But what about workers in the kingdom of God, followers of God? If they refuse to bring the fruit to the Lord, if they refuse to do anything that isn't just self-centered and self-serving, but instead, you know, they're supposed to advance the kingdom of God, do the work that the landowner needed them to do, but they're refusing to share with the landowner. And so it's all about the people of God rejecting the ways of God and just living selfishly. Uh, Jesus continues, verse 42, Jesus said to them, have you never read the scriptures? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. And here verses 43 and 44, especially 43 is the key. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. Anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. So is this something serious? Verse 44, this looks pretty serious. Anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. I don't want to have anything to do with that. I don't want to have any part of that. So I want to live in the middle of verse 43. And verse 43, ever since the first time I read that or heard it on tape, I can't remember the first time, but it's resonated with me. This, therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. So this bearing fruit for the kingdom of God, making a difference in this life, in this world, in our circles, in our lives, making a difference is very, very important to God. You know, if we don't do that, says the kingdom will be taken away from us and given to somebody else. If the servants, the farmers aren't willing to bear fruit for the kingdom of God, produce the fruit of the kingdom, then they're going to be replaced with somebody else. And I thought, well, then that's pretty important. I better be about bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. I better be part of the group that does that. So this is very important to God. 
Very, very important that we bear fruit, meaning that we make a difference, that we are positive influences in this world. We are bringing the light of Christ, the good things of God into this world, fighting against the darkness, fighting against evil and bringing the good things of God into this world. It's very important to God. Why is it so strong? Well, we talked about it in week one in this series. It's the sacredness of human life. You know, you were created in the image of God. You were created to make a difference, to bring the light into this world, to receive it and to share it. You can do it. You're able to make a difference. You're created in the image of God. And those who don't know God, they're worth it. Those who are suffering and hurting in this world, they're worth it to God. And we see this very obviously through the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross is the example of the value of this broken world, the value of the sinner, the value of the disenfranchised and the hurting. The cross is the symbol of the value, the sacredness of each human life. And today, in today's world, the believers in Jesus are the hands and feet of Jesus in this world. We're the body of Christ. We're to do the work that God has called us to do. We're the workers in the vineyard. And you are part of it if you are a follower of Jesus, and you're supposed to be part of it if you're not. We'll get to that at the end. So you are called to make a difference. Be the right kind of worker in the vineyard. Be a faithful servant of God. Be willing to share the fruit, bear fruit for the kingdom of God. Produce the fruit that God would have you produce in this world. The outcome, the difference, bring the light into the darkness. You're called to make a difference in this world. So I want to talk about here three keys to making a difference. Because we have eternal significance. Our lives are very important. What are some keys to making a difference in this world? Well, the first one is a a little bit counterintuitive. I would say this. One key to making a difference for the kingdom of God in your life is don't be intimidated. You can make a difference. You can make an eternal difference. This is what you were created for. You can do it with God's help. This is not something that's impossible. It's impossible on your own, but you stay connected with God and God will do amazing things. And so don't be intimidated. Here's my strange statement for the day. Don't make too big of a deal out of this. You are to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. Your life has eternal significance. You can do things now that make a difference for eternity. Your life is important. Your labor in the Lord is not in vain and don't make too big of a deal out of it. Okay, what am I trying to say with this? I'm trying to say this. You can smile. You can be kind to someone. You can pray for someone. You can volunteer at church, at a a parachurch ministry. You can give. You can share your faith. You know, you can testify to the goodness of God to somebody. You know, you can say the right thing at the right time. You can do that. You absolutely can do it. Don't be intimidated by it. Just go do it. Read your Bible. Do what it says. Ask God for opportunities, and then all of a sudden you'll find yourself in a situation in life where somebody's talking to you and talking about the hard things they're going through, and you say, wow, that is, that's rough. I feel for you, but you know, I believe there's a God in heaven that loves us, and he wants to give you some comfort and guidance right now. Do you mind if I pray for you? And you just pray for him, and it's, it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> you sign up to help. In, in your area of gifting in the church or in a parachurch ministry. It's not that hard. Don't be intimidated. Even if you're in a rough spot, you know, you're bedridden, 
you got all kinds of disease in your body and you're, you're getting towards the end, even then you can pray, you can share God's love with your nurse, with hospice people. You know, if you're in a situation like that, God can still use you. And, and Michael, I'm thinking of you right now. You're an inspiration to me. God bless you. Stay strong, man. Jesus has got a home for you. Don't be intimidated. Whatever your situation in life, you can make a difference for the kingdom of God. You can smile. You can be kind. You can pray for people. You can share the love of God. There's so many things you can do. Don't focus on the things you can't do. Don't make it a bigger deal than it is. You do your little part. I'll do my little part. If we all do that, it's a beautiful thing. Don't be intimidated by making a difference for the kingdom of God. That's key number one. Key number two, who you are, your heart, your character is more important than what you do, your role or your accomplishments. The first person you should make a difference for in this world is you. You know, you should make a difference for you. That's the first key. That's why we have reach up, rise up, reach out. We have our vision statement in that order. You want to connect with God, grow in your faith, then you make a difference in this world. You know, you need to connect with God, abide in the vine, stay connected with the Lord. You need to grow, lean into your personal spiritual growth, and then make a difference. Now, there are things you can do on day one. You know, you get saved, you get forgiven. You don't know anything about God except that He loves you and He's forgiven you. You can tell people that. You can share what God has done for you on the first day. But there's probably a whole lot of things you need to learn and grow in in order to be able to be used by God more and more. The first person you should make a difference for is you. You know, connect with God, grow in your faith, and then repeat. Do that over and over. Keep connecting with God. Keep growing in your faith. Then you'll be able to be used by God more and more. As you grow, as you overcome, as you get free, as you learn, as you live out your faith in Jesus Christ, God will use you more and more. But the most important thing is who you are, not what you do. Your character, your heart, not your role or your accomplishments. It's who you are. So the first person you need to make a difference for is you, and then you need to keep at that. If you stagnate or backslide in your faith, you're going to lose opportunities. And the more dangerous thing is you're going to start to get bored. You're going to lose touch with God, and you're going to fade in your relationship with God. Don't let that happen. It is your responsibility to fan the flames of your faith Who you are in your heart, in your character, your own personal spiritual growth is your responsibility. We're going to go to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. Some famous verses here. says this, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Fan into flame the gift of God. Who you are in here, do you have fanned into flame your desire to serve God, your abilities to serve God? Do you have the right heart, the right desires in there? Fan that into flame. Then you can go out and you'll be much more effective. Don't just let what you have in your heart be cold and dead and then try to get a couple things done so you don't get in trouble with God. Build up on the inside who you are. It's your responsibility. Fan it into flame. Who you are, your heart, your character is more important than what you do, 
your role or your accomplishments. So don't minimize small things. Everything in the kingdom of God is vitally important. I know that more now than ever as I'm leading a ministry here at Good Hope Church, being a pastor, even just showing up for church and sitting in a chair is incredibly valuable for for the church services. Even just giving a little bit to missions is incredibly valuable because when a bunch of people do that, incredible things can be accomplished. Just get started. Get yourself right on the inside. So key number one, don't be intimidated. Key number two, who you are, your heart, your character is more important than what you do, your role or accomplishment. Every role is important um, and no role should be overemphasized. You know, like I'm up in front of people and all that stuff. Is that all that big of a deal? Well, I'm more visible, but every role is equally important, equally valuable. So serve your role, but understand your heart is where it's at. Then the third one, last one we're going to look at today. It's okay to look forward to your eternal reward. Your primary motive for wanting to make a difference in this world, wanting to reach out, is your love of people. You realize that there's a God in heaven that loves you, that loves others. He has freedom for us. He has deliverance for us. He has forgiveness of sins, redemption. He has a purposeful life for us. We don't need to be stuck in the garbage and we can be free. And you see people, the harvest is plentiful. You see people that need some help and you want to help them. That should be your number one motivation, just the, the motives of God to help. But then it's okay to look forward to your eternal reward. Because sometimes serving God is a, is a big sacrifice in the short term. It might be short term hard, but it's long term easy. Serving God sometimes is a big sacrifice. Don't let that wear you down. You know, you might not have some things that other people have because they're being selfish, but you're being kingdom minded. I believe God will meet your needs, but don't let that wear you down either. It's okay to look forward to your reward. I'm going to go to the Gospel of John chapter 14. 1 through 7. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So let's look at two chunks of this. The first one is that Jesus here is telling his disciples, you know, and apparently has said this before, in my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? Jesus said, hey, I told you I'm going to the Father to prepare a place for you. You have a reward in heaven. Every believer in Jesus Christ who is a faithful servant of God, who hears that well done, good and faithful servant, every believer in Jesus can look forward to their eternal 
reward. And I think it's okay to focus on that. If Jesus brings it up and it's brought up in multiple places, if Jesus brings it up because he wants us to be aware of it, I think it's okay to look forward to our eternal reward. I think that's a good thing. It's not selfish or self-centered to think the day will come. You know, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. It's not selfish to look forward to your eternal reward. And it says here, Jesus goes ahead to prepare a place for us. So I put in my request. I encourage you to do the same thing. I don't know if this works out. I don't know. But I figure if Jesus is going to prepare a place for me, I should just let him know what I want. So this is many years ago, decades ago, uh, when I was a fairly new believer, I put in a request. I said, Lord, if you've gone ahead to prepare a place for me, I just want to let you know, I would like kind of a cabin outside of the city and I want to have an orchard and I want to have maybe some horses and a cart and I want to take care of my horses and I want to take care of the orchard and I want to pick fruit and put it in the cart and bring it into the city to feed the people and then I'll go back out to my cabin. This is the request I have made. Is that what's going to happen for me? I don't know, but I am interested to find out. It is okay to look forward to your eternal reward. We have something good from God in our future if we are faithful servants of Jesus. So Thomas asked Jesus a great question in response to what Jesus said. Jesus was talking about preparing a place. And and then Jesus says this, what we read, verse 4. You know the way to the place where I am going. And then Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus was speaking about going to the Father, and the disciples didn't really understand what Jesus was talking about. So Thomas was like, you know, are you going to Antioch? Where where are you going? We don't know where you're going. Do you have a special place in the mountains you're going to go pray? We don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? But Jesus is talking about going to the Father. He is going to be crucified. He is going to accomplish what God sent him here to do, what his Father in heaven sent his Son to do, and he is going to the Father. And so when Jesus says, you know the way to the place where I am going, Jesus is saying, you know the way to the Father. You know the way to eternal life. And Thomas didn't really know what he was talking about. So he says, we don't even know where you're going. How can we know the way? And then this is where Jesus answers the question. You know, maybe maybe you know the way to the Father. Maybe you don't. Maybe you know the way to your eternal home in heaven. Maybe you don't but it's not complicated. You can find the way, and Jesus explains it here in the next verse. Verse 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way to the Father. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is the Redeemer. What Jesus did on the cross paid the price for the sins of all of this dark world so that anyone who believes in him could have their sins forgiven, could be redeemed, and could be brought into the goodness of God to serve God in this life and to receive everlasting life. So that is the way. Jesus is the way to the Father. Jesus is the way to everlasting life. So it's just this simple. 
Believe that what Jesus did on the cross is enough for you because it is enough for you. Believe it. Then you confess your need for forgiveness and redemption, that you're not in that perfect place, but you need God. You need forgiveness. You need redemption. Then you receive that forgiveness fully and completely. You grab hold of it. You are sacred to God and redeemed. And then now live for Jesus, thankfully serving your Lord and Savior, bearing fruit for the kingdom of God, lean in to making a difference. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, for those who are listening right now who aren't sure They're not sure if they know the way to eternal life. They're not sure if they're in your good graces. They're just not sure. But I pray right now that they would feel prompted in their hearts to pray along with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross. I believe that what Jesus did on the cross is enough for me. I believe that I can be forgiven. That what Jesus did is enough for the sins of the whole world. And so it is enough for me. Lord, I have sinned and fallen short. I need forgiveness. I need redemption. Please forgive me. Please buy me back from the darkness and bring me into your light. And Lord, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for redeeming me. Thank you for rescuing me, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. And Lord, I pledge my life to you. I will serve you thankfully because you are my Savior and you are my Lord. Empower me to make a difference in this world for you. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.